0: Turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. As we continue to reach through this letter of the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, this letter of Romans, and we saw, to kind of catch us up to where we are, Paul began this letter by pointing out the sinfulness of man. That there is none good, there is none who does what's right, all of us have sinned against a holy God, and we are without excuse, Paul says. We have no fear of God. We were talking this morning in Sunday school as you look around at our world today, and, and we see that everything that's going on, the, the craziness of this world that we live in, and it all comes down to the fact that they have no fear of God. No fear of God. So Paul points out the fact that we have all sinned and all fallen short of the glory of God, but that God has provided a way. There in chapter 3 and verse 21, I think I've referred to this verse in every sermon since we were there. But now, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. And Paul is pointing out the fact that God has provided a way for us to be right with him. For a man to be right with God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not by keeping the works of the law. It's not by doing good deeds. It's not by going to church. It's not by owning a Bible. It's only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished for us on the cross and what he continues to do for us. That God sent His Son into this world. God clothed in human flesh. And we called His name Jesus. And He lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. And He went to the cross and He was crucified. Bearing our sin. God laid on Him, Isaiah tells us, the iniquity of us all. And for six hours, Jesus hung In agony. The cross was not an accident. The cross was not. A terrible thing. The cross was the plan. From the very beginning. And on the third day. Jesus rose from the dead. And you realize that that one event right there. Above all else is what separates Christianity from everything else. Jesus is alive and today he sits at the right hand of the father and so Paul is pointing out that it is only by the righteousness of Christ that we have no righteousness of our own that all our righteousness is like filthy rags all the good deeds that I could ever do are like filthy rags in the sight of God and so Paul says but God has provided a righteousness it's not mine it's his And again, we we look at the fact that everything that God demands, God provides. And so we get here into chapter 4. And in chapter 4, Paul has sustained the argument that justification or being right with God comes by faith alone. By faith alone. He turned to the example of Abraham and Paul's conclusion is that righteousness comes by faith in Christ and not by our works. In verses 17 through 25, Paul explains the nature of this true faith. Uh, As we consider the example of Abraham, it's my prayer this morning that each of us will come to a better understanding of what it means to have faith in God. And this morning we're going to look at Abraham's perception of the object of his faith, of the obstacles of his faith, and of the objectives of his faith. Look with me in verse 17 of chapter 4. Paul says, As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. The object of Abraham's faith is God alone. Now, we hear a lot today, people say, have faith, have faith, have faith. Have faith in what? Have faith in who? We don't have faith in faith. And I've had people say to me, you know what, Pastor, we have faith in you. Please don't. I'm going to let you down. You know why? Because I'm just a man. My faith in me can do nothing for you. My faith in you can do nothing for me. We must have as the object of our faith being God alone. It's fundamental that we understand that the object of one's faith is most important because our faith will never benefit us if it's faith in the wrong object. It must be a faith in God alone. Abraham's faith was not exemplary because it was a strong faith. It was exemplary because of who the object was. The object is God. Doubt always looks at our circumstances, but faith always looks to the one true God for everything. And we all exhibit faith every day. You know, you exhibit faith by what you're doing right now. How many of you walked into this building and before you sat down said, oh, I hope that will hold me up none of you said that did whoever even thought that you just came in and you sat down do you know that's the same kind of faith God wants us to have in him the kind of faith that doesn't even think about it it's just automatic we all exhibit this kind of faith every day it's just where is that faith placed the decisive issue is where we place our faith. So Abraham, he grasped two massive concepts about God. First, he understood that God gives life to the dead. Now here I think Paul's talking about two things. <clears throat> In Romans 1.17, it says that Christ, Jesus, was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection of the dead. In other words, God raised Jesus from the dead. He is the one who can give life to those that are dead. But at the same time, we must understand what Paul, in the context of the story that Paul is telling here about Abraham. You see, we went back to Genesis 15 last week, and we saw that God came to Abraham. And Abraham said, said God, you, you have given me no heir. I'm getting to be an old man. My wife Sarah is becoming an old woman and we have no heir. And God made the covenant with Abraham. And he said, I will give you a son. His name will be Isaac. He will be the son of promise. And your descendants will be more than the stars of the sky. They'll be more than the sand of the sea. And the Bible says that at that moment, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now it was some time later before Isaac was born. Abraham was 100 years old. Sarah was in her 90s. I asked you last week, I mean, how many of you would like to know that at 99 and 100 years old, you're going to have a child? Nobody? That wouldn't excite you? (laughs) Well, it did Abraham. But Abraham knew that that God could raise the dead. We we talked last week about later on after Isaac was born, the son of promise, that God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to take your, your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, take him to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him to me. And Abraham packed up. And he took off with Isaac, and off they went. And he was all prepared. He had the, the, the altar laid out, the fire laid out. He had the uh, Isaac laying on the altar, and Abraham had the knife in his hand. But notice that before they went up the mountain, Abraham looked at his servants and said, We're going to go there and worship, and we'll come back. Now, God didn't, Abraham had no idea what God had in mind. But he did know this. That God said in Isaac shall your seed be called. Isaac is the son of promise. So Abraham knew that even if he did offer Isaac and kill Isaac, that God would just have to raise him from the dead because God had to keep his promise. That's the kind of faith that Abraham had. He knew that it is God who gives life to to the dead. Abraham believed in the resurrection power of God. And and this was uh, borne out when he was obediently prepared to sacrifice Isaac. He knew that if Isaac died, God could resurrect him. Over in the book of Hebrews, the writer to the Hebrews talks about this in chapter uh, 11, verse 17 through 19. He says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in, was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So Abraham's faith was, the, the object of his faith was God. It didn't matter what the circumstances looked like. It didn't matter what was going on around him. It didn't matter that he and Sarah were well past childbearing age. God said it and Abraham believed it. You ever heard that old saying, God said it, I believe it, that settles it? You know that's not true, right, by the way? If God said it, that settles it, whether I believe it or not. But Abraham believed it. Because Abraham knew that when God said it, it was settled. Second, he saw God as a God who calls into existence the things that do not exist. In other words, Abraham saw God as the creator. God is the one who looked into the expanse of space and said, let there be light. And instantly there was light. Instantly. God is the one who who created this world, created the universes, created everything, created the animals and the land and the seas. It is God who reached down for the dust of the earth and formed a man and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and he became a living soul. Perhaps there is some suggestion here that God's. Restoration of Abraham and Sarah's procreation process. You see, physically, it was impossible for Sarah to give birth to a child. She was 99 years old. It was impossible for Abraham at his age to produce a child. But God, for all intents and purposes, created Isaac out of nothing. But let me tell you what God was doing. And, and you see God doing this throughout the Bible time and time and time again. I can promise you that Abraham never one time went around boasting about what a wonderful man he was. Look how old I was and I had a child. He never did that. Because he knew everybody would laugh at him for one thing. You see, God made sure that when Isaac was born, that God got the glory. And so he knew that God could create out of everything. Abraham's perception of God as the object of his faith was immense. And this concept dominated his entire experience of faith. And it can make a difference for us too. What is the object of your faith this morning? Where are you putting your trust in? Do you believe that one day you will stand before a holy God and give an account for your life like the Bible says? Do you believe that? If you truly believe that, it will change everything. But when you stand there, will you stand before and say, Lord, I did the best I could. And he's going to say, I know you did, and I'm sorry, but that's not good enough. You can stand before him and say, Lord, but I was a good person. And he will say, no, you weren't. And I can prove it. But if I stand there and say, Lord, my faith rests not in me or in my works, but my faith rests in Christ and what he's done. And God will say, welcome. Where is your faith this morning? What are you trusting in to allow you to stand before a holy God? If our view of God is exalted as Abraham's, if we see God so vast that he creates out of nothing and gives life to the dead, if you and I really believe this, it will make an immense difference in our faith and in our life. Do you really believe that? There are two questions here. Is God the object of your faith? And how do you perceive the object of your faith? Now we kind of talked about this in Sunday school this morning too. God is not who you want him to be. God is not who you wish him to be. God is who he reveals himself to be. And the Bible says that God is a God of wrath. He is a God of anger towards sin. And that you and I are sinners by nature. We are born into this world, enemies of God. And that as a result, we abide under the wrath of God, and the sentence for our sin is death. But it also says that God is a God of mercy, He's a God of forgiveness. And if we will simply repent of our sin and turn from our sin and turn toward the, with faith to the Lord Jesus Christ, then we can be saved. The object of our faith must be God, and we must perceive him as the God who is revealed in the Bible. Not as the world reveals him, and not as I reveal him, not as you reveal, not as we want him to be, but who he says he is. So where does your faith lie this morning, and how do you see this God Whom you perceive. Then notice that we see the obstacle of Abraham's faith. Look at verse 18. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in the faith when he considered his own body, which is as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith. So we see the obstacles of Abraham's faith and he faced two obstacles. The the biological impossibility due to his and Sarah's advanced age. And the other obstacle was the staggering nature of the promise. Abraham, I know you have no son, but I'm going to give you a son and your descendants will be more than the sand of the sea, more than the stars of the sky. It was just too good to be true. God, are you sure you can do this? That's not what Abraham said. Abraham said, God, I know you can do this. To think that in his advanced age, that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And listen, folks, here is the simple definition of what faith is. Okay, you listen. I want to write this down. Very profound. You simply believe God. That's faith. You simply believe God. It is by faith that I believe when God says to me, I'm a sinner in need of redemption. It is by faith that I believe that God said, you can't do anything about it, but I can. It is by faith when God says that I believe, when God says, I sent my son to die for you, to bear your sins, so that you could be right with me, and all you have to do is look to him. It's just too good to be true. (laughs) And this is what Abraham faced. But he simply took God at his word. And listen, it's not a blind faith, it's not a leap into the dark. We have God's word. Abraham believed that with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. But our faith is not a leap in the dark. We have God's word that tells us time and time and time again. I mean, do you realize that from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, this book is about only one thing. And his name is Jesus. All of it. I remember as a young Christian, I struggled with reading the Old Testament. And I remember this old retired preacher in our church. He told me, he said, Bobby, he said, find Jesus. And I said, but I'm in the Old Testament. He said, I know. Find Jesus. And it'll all make sense. And he was right. Right. You know what the interesting thing was? Once I found him, I saw him everywhere. And so Abraham just simply believed God. And it was not a blind faith. He knew that this God was able to do what he believed he could do. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe this morning that God is able to save Do you believe this morning that God is able to take one as the Apostle John tells us and take them from death unto life in an instant? Do you believe in resurrection power? Well, if you're saved, you should because you've experienced it. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, Paul tells us. So applying this to ourselves, if God is who he says he is, and by the way, he is, he is exactly who he says he is, then none of his promises will ever fail. The promise the the, the problem is many of us keep in the back of our minds suspicions that we might uh, say we believe about God's power are not really true. For all our lip service about our trust in God, we rely mostly on what we can do for ourselves. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to go to church more. God, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make you like me. And God says, hey, I got news for you. There's only one thing that will make me love you, and that's when you love my son. And you trust in Him. You know a good measure of how much spiritual truth we have appropriated and where our faith lies is this right here. Okay? (laughs) Y'all not going to like this. I want you to sit down and get a piece of paper and write about everything you worry about. And if you put even one thing on that piece of paper, you don't have the faith in God you should have. Throughout the Bible, it says that to those who belong to God, he says, we can cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. And and it's amazing that you and I who claim to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who claim to be followers of Christ, that we can look and say, you know what? I was dead in my sin. God made me alive. But I don't think he can help me right here. I don't think God can take care of this. I mean, I know he can raise the dead, but, you know, by the way, you tell me something that's greater than raising the dead. You remember the story in the book of John, in the gospel of John? A very good friend of Jesus, his name was Lazarus, and he died. He was dead four days. And Jesus went to the tomb, said, roll the stone back. And when he did, old Lazarus, he said, man, I'm glad I got out of there. I'm tired of being in there. Thank you for moving that stone so I could get out. Is that what he said? No. You know what Lazarus said? He didn't say anything because he was dead. You know what Lazarus did? He didn't do anything because he was dead. You know what Jesus did? He said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus got up and walked out. Because when the voice of life speaks, death listens. But there is only Christ that could do that. He raised him from the dead. We have been raised from the dead. But the obstacles of our faith. Can be overcome. When we believe. You see. These are in order. The object of your faith must be right. In order for the obstacles to be overcome. And when the obstacles are overcome. We're going to see what the objective of our faith is. The same that was of Abraham's. But many of us... We face those obstacles to our faith. And just as as Peter, when he got out of the boat and he was walking on the water. But he began to look at the wind and the waves. And he began to sink. Because he took his eyes off the Lord. You see, by looking at Jesus, he was exercising faith. But you can go back further than that. Let me ask you a question. If you had been in that boat... And Jesus said, get out and come out here. How many of us would have said, you do it first. (laughs) You do it first and let's see what happens. Well, Peter didn't do it. Peter just said, Lord, if that's you, you call me. He said, Peter, come on. Peter jumped right out of that boat and walked on water. But his faith wavered because he saw the obstacles, the wind and the waves. Now, it's a wonderful thing that he cried out and he said, Lord, save me. And the Bible says immediately Jesus picked him up and said, Peter, why did you doubt? So don't let the obstacles, the obstacles did not stop Abraham and they cannot stop us. Then look at the last part of verse 20. As he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord... Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This is the objective of faith. Abraham had two objectives in his faith. And the first objective was simply to give glory to God. What is the chief end of man? To enjoy God, to to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We exist to bring glory to God. We are gathered here this morning to bring glory to God. Paul says, let everything you do be to the glory of God. And Abraham's faith was for that thing. Uh, Look at verse 20, the whole of verse 20 again. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. You want to grow strong in your faith? Then give glory to God for it all. And you give glory to God. We honor God when God says this. And I say, I believe in God. I don't believe it for any reason other than the fact that you are God. And that's what Abraham did. His first objective was to glorify God. God is never glorified uh, in our lives apart from faith. A full reliance on God. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that whatever is not of faith is sin. Because we're saying, God, I don't believe you. We're saying, God, you're a liar. Verse 21 is a great definition of faith. Faith fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised are you convinced this morning that God is able to do what he has promised when he said if you will repent of your sin and call on me I will save you and forgive all your sin wipe the slate clean did you believe that And after that happened, when he said, if you will look to me day after day, I will strengthen you. I will sustain you. Do you believe that? When he said, cast all your cares on me because I'll care for you. Do you believe that? More than this, though. When Paul says we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of our life. Do you believe that? You see, one of the one of the interesting things about faith, about what we believe is what you believe will determine how you live. For instance, I believe airplanes can fall out of the sky so I don't fly. (laughs) I believe Whataburger is heaven's food, so I eat it. You see, what you believe determines what you do. Y'all knew I had to get burger in there somewhere. It's just not biblical. Not to. God is never glorified in our life apart from faith, a full reliance on God. And may we glorify God in the same way, taking God at His word. That's simply all it is. God, I believe what you have said in your word. The second objective to Abraham's faith was righteousness. Look at verse 22. This is why that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Faith that makes one righteous before God perceives the immensity of God who creates from nothing and gives life to the dead. One of the one of the one of the most you know, there are there are mountaintop passages in the Bible. One of those mountaintop passages is Isaiah chapter one, uh, chapter six, where the prophet Isaiah finds himself in the presence of the throne room of God. And he sees this magnificent throne, all these beautiful colors. He sees these angelic creatures with six wings. And they constantly, constantly, day and night Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. By the way, you know that the passage says they say that to each other. They're constantly reminding each other, holy, holy, holy. You know that holiness is the only attribute of God that is taken to the third degree. Nobody ever says God is love, 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 although God is love. Nobody ever said God is mercy, 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 although God is merciful. But the Bible says God is not just holy. He's holy, holy, holy. And ultimately, it brings the full assurance that what God has promised, he will perform. You know why? You know when Isaiah saw that? He fell on his face. He says, oh, woe is me. I have seen God and now I'm going to die. I'm a vile, sinful man. You see, when you see God for who he is, you'll see you for who you are. A vile, sinful creature. With no fear of God. But when by faith we come to Christ, when by faith we believe that Jesus died in our place, when by faith we believe that God raised him from the dead, when we by faith believe that God can create out of nothing. You see, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a whole new creation. Old things are gone and everything becomes new. But true faith brings the full assurance or has the full assurance that God, what God has promised, he will perform. So, so what are we to believe? What are we to put our faith in so that we can be counted righteous in the sight of God? He says there, he says, but the words that was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who do what? Believe in him Who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. And then he says concerning Christ. He says who was delivered up for our trespasses. And was raised for our justification. You know Jesus told his disciples. A very profound thing. He says because I live. You will live also. He even went so far as to say that whoever lives and believes in me. Will never die. Now that's an interesting thought because I know many godly people who have died. So is that what he meant? No, because I want to tell you something, folks. The Bible teaches that God has appointed a day for my death. Before I was ever created, he knew all the days of my life and when they would end. I don't know. I'm glad I don't know, by the way. It could be today. But I'll promise you something, if I die standing right here, before this body hits that floor, I'll be kneeling at the foot of Christ. And I want to tell you something, I will be more alive than you are. So don't, if somebody says, Bobby died, you can say, no he didn't. Because Jesus said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. This body may die, but I will never die. Do you believe that? Because what you believe will determine how you live. Uh, That's what we believe. We are to put our faith in God who raised up Christ, who died for our sins and was resurrected for our justification. To believe in Christ, as described there in verses 23 to 25, is to believe in the wonderful God of Abraham. How do we perceive the object of our faith? Hopefully, as the God who can do anything. As a God who can do anything, what is the perception of your state before God? Where do you stand before God right now? Do you stand before God as righteous or unrighteous? Because you see, just as today could be the day that my life ends, it could also be yours. We don't know. I remember years ago when I was pastoring a church and I got a phone call from one of my church members. They were a young couple, probably in their 30s. He was very health conscious. He exercised all the time. He ate the right foods and all this. You know where I'm going with it. The right foods and everything. And anyway, they called me and said, hey, our neighbor, an elderly man, has had a terrible heart attack. Could you please go to the hospital there in McKinney to see him? So I said, absolutely. Absolutely. The man was in his 70s. So I went up there and, and I sat there in the hospital room. I, 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 I proclaimed the gospel to this man and he believed. And he got saved laying right there in a the hospital bed. He believed on Christ. It was such a joyful thing, such a wonderful thing. And, and, and a few days later, that same young lady called me hysterical. Because her health conscious husband was mowing the yard, had a stroke and died instantly. Now, here's the moral of that story. You see, they called frantic because this elderly neighbor was about to die and, you know, he's an old man and he needs to be saved. They never gave a thought to the fact that this healthy young man That God was about to say to him, it's time. That old man lived like 20 more years. You see, we don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know. It may be old. We may be young. But what will we stand? It is only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that I can stand before God and say, I'm here. And I stand here in the righteousness of Christ, not my own. Where do you stand this morning? Where is your faith? What is the object of your faith? Do you have faith? Do you believe God? That's what it all comes down to. Do you believe God when he says you're a sinner? Do you believe God when he says without Christ you're destined for eternity in hell? Do you believe God when he says but I have provided a way for you to be right with me. And it is by faith in my my son that I sent to die for you. Do you have faith that God is able to do what he said? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for faith. We thank you, God, that you are a wonderful God. That you are a God of grace and a God of mercy. But, Father, we also know that you are a God of wrath and a God of anger at sin. And that all, Father, who die outside of Christ... Are eternally judged in hell. But Father, we believe this morning that you have provided a way, that you have provided the righteousness for us that we don't have for ourselves. And it is we have faith and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh Father, may we this morning search our hearts. What is the true object of our faith? Father, help us to trust you, to believe you. Father, that we might be made right with you by faith in Christ alone. For it's in his name that we pray.